Hello and welcome to the Freedom Baptist Church podcast from Freedom Baptist Church in Mineola, Texas, where we're free from the chains of sin and death. Thank you for listening and please enjoy.
Those 120 went out. Those 120, when the fire fell, God fell on them. 3,000 were saved. And the word says, and the church added those days which were saved. Our children. We've got churches shutting up, bordering doors. We've got pastors quitting right and left. Why? Our text today, we're going to have several, so just buckle up. But the main one is one every pastor in the United States would die for today. Luke chapter 12. Verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Let's stop right there. Father, we come before you today. Father, we ask you lift up the sick. Touch those that are need, needing. Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. Now, Father, I pray that you would do something today. Dear God, that you would look down upon us and the anniversary of the Pentecost. That you would fill us one more time with that Holy Ghost power. That we might be witnesses in Minneapolis, Texas. That we might be witnesses in Wood County. That we might be witnesses in Texas. That we might be witnesses in the United States. Father, I ask now that you would just take me. Hide me behind the cross. Dear God, I pray as Samson prayed. That you would use me one more time before you take me. Father, I ask these things pleading through the shed blood of the Lord that you can cry with. Amen. Now that was just introduction. That doesn't cost us anything. The rest of it is going to cost us dearly. Go over here. Skip over to the end of the chapter. To verse 49. How many of you were raised on a farm out in the woods? How many of you know what it means to kindle a fire? Y'all ever kindle the fire? What do you mean to kindle a fire? Well, Miss Pat, my daddy, started me early. I was the official fireman. It was my job to get up about 4 o'clock in the morning and go build a fire so that he could get up, so that Mama could get up and cook. I'd go by that stone, Miss Pat, and I'd just pray that there was a kingdom in there. I would just pray that there were just some sparks in there. Because you know, it's a whole lot easier to start a fire when there's some kingdom in there. When there's some ashes and some hot ashes, some embers. It's a whole lot easier to start that fire. If you try to start that backlog, you're going to be there a while. You're going to be huffing and puffing and blowing. 
get all the dirt out, to get all the trash out, to get all the down to the embers, and you start blowing them. And you start blowing them. And sooner or later, that fire will catch up. And then that heat comes. And we're going to verse 49. He said, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it already be kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened until it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I have come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. From henceforth, there shall be one in the house divided against two and against three. And the father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And he said to the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say, There cometh the tower. And so it is. When you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be heat, and it will come to pass. Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, and the earth, but how is it that you not discern the time? Our text today would be Kindlewood. Jesus said three things in this passage. Number one, that he was kindled, that he was going to start a fire. We don't have very far to look to see that the fire is going up. Or at least down by the embers. The fire that once burned bright is not burning anymore. Many of our great denominations, many of our great men of God have fallen, have fallen into sin. But that does not change the authority or the power of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> One of my great heroes of the faith charged with awful sin. But you know, I realize that he's a man and that we follow. But you know who the greater sin was? To those that covered it up. Those that covered it up for 20 and 30 years and let these things fester. And now we've got an infection in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, he said he came to set a fire. A fire in all men. But he had a baptism to be baptized with first. We know he was baptized unto death. We know that he shed his blood. He had to shed his blood. For in Hebrews it says, For without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So we know that he had to have that baptism. We have no further to look around us. The school shootings. The feast, the famine. One of the pastors that I followed in Nigeria. His, his church was burnt down. His family was taken out. He was shot in front of his kids. And whether you like it or not, it's coming here. In the book of Romans, we are told that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Because of you, the 
the church of Rome. We're told in the book of 1 Corinthians, the first 13 chapters of the book of Corinthians were written as an exposition of cornering sin that had came into the church. We all want to talk about the love of Jesus, the love of God. But Paul didn't talk about it until he got to the 13th chapter. He was busy rebuking. He was busy rejoicing. We have got to come to the place to where we realize that if we're going to do anything, if we're going to save this country, if we're going to save our city, if we're going to save our children, then we're going to have to stand up and be counted. And we're going to have to blow that kindling. We're going to have to blow that fire. We're going to have to set ourselves ablaze. The book of Hebrews tells us, for our God is a consuming fire. But there's so many of us, we're so consumed with the world around us. We're so consumed with the things of this world. Our job, our friends. What are my friends going to think about me? If I follow Jesus, what are my friends going to say? What are they going to say? We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school class this morning about <clears throat> what it means to walk with God. Coming to church for two hours on a Sunday morning, that's not Christian service. Christian service is 24-7. It will cost you everything. We have this easy believism in church today that, that Brother Vernon, that you can come down, you can kneel down at the altar, we can pray for you, we can, we can tell you, you don't even have to pray. I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll lead you through the sinner's prayer. And there's nothing changed. There's no conviction. There's no repentance. There's nothing going on inside. But I'm here to tell you, we're given a false sense of hope. Can anybody be saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like I said, Paul, do if you are what you were, then you ain't. The book of Romans tells us, Romans chapter 6, I believe, that we are dead to sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And we've got this damnable heresy going on in the churches of our Lord Jesus Christ today. It's called carnal Christianity. And yeah, I'll preach on it again. Carnal Christianity. Jesus already knows about my sin. Jesus knows every sin that I've ever committed. Jesus has already forgiven my sin. I can go live the way I want to. My Bible will say that. <laughs> my Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. My Bible tells me that we're a holy people, that we're a set-apart nation, that we're a righteous nation, live unto righteousness. We're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be full of the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. Because if we're not walking in the Spirit, Mr. Mr. Renee, if we're not walking in the Spirit, those people around us, all they see is the world. If we watch what the world watches, if we listen to what the world listens to, if we talk like the world talks, 
and we listen to music that the world listens to. I don't care how many smoke shows. I don't care how many disco balls you've got going on. I don't care how dark the auditorium is. If the people aren't being touched, if there's no salvation, if there's nothing going on in here, and I keep telling you, I keep getting these deals. Oh, there were 20,000 out in California slain in the Spirit. Yeah, well, how many of them got up to change? How many of them walked in the fullness of life? How many of them walked in the Spirit? How many of them went back to their own sin life? The Christian life is not about jumping the pews, running up and down the aisles, speaking in tongues, falling out. The Christian life is about living Jesus Christ 24-7 around those. You see, we don't need it. We know we're Christians. We know that they're about the love of God, that we witness, that we are Christians. But that world don't. If we've got the same language, and I've heard preachers, I've heard preachers, I've talked to preachers that knew words that I didn't know, and I was a truck driver for 47 years. <laughs> oh man, what, you, what is that? That's news to me. What? That's how the kids talk. Dude, really? You get up and you preach in your church on Sunday morning and you talk like that in front of people? I don't care what you say. It's what We can say anything we want to. It don't make it true. I can tell you that I'm the world's worst car shedding tracks. It don't make it true. And folks, going to a church don't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you a car. Had you had that one-on-one -on -one experience with Jesus, had Jesus Christ came in and set you free, had Jesus came in and borne your sins, had Jesus came in and redeemed you, and had Jesus Christ filled you, and are you walking in the fellowship of the Spirit? If not, you need to check up. But we've got these damnable heresies going on all the time in our churches. Live like you want to. Jesus has already forgiven you. Jesus has already forgiven you. But Jesus said, I come to start a fire. Number one, he had to go to the cross. He paid that debt. Number two, he kindled the fire 18, 1980 years ago. Number three, that fire erupted. And the world was transformed. One of my favorite songs in this world. I have decided to follow Jesus. That it happened back in 1850 over in India. Man, the, the American Baptist missionaries had gone over. 
were winning souls. And this one man, it made the, it made the uh, chief mad. <coughs> he brought the leader of the tribe out. He said, I hear you become a Christian. He said, yes, I have. His name was Noxane. Thank you. His name was Noxane. He said, Noxane, he said, I'm going to give you a chance. He said, I'm going to allow your children after he had two boys. He said, if you don't renounce Christ, I'm going to kill your two boys. And Noxane said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Archer drew back the arrows and shot arrows into his two sons. He did not say, we're going to take your wife and we're going to kill her if you don't denounce Christ. Noxine said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The archers drew back and let arrows fly and killed his wife before his eyes. He said, not seen. We're going to kill you if you don't. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I will follow. And the arrow flew. And he died. You see, Jesus set a fire. Jesus lit a kindling fire. Our word tells us that our God is a consuming fire. Now there are several kinds of fire spoken of in the Bible. There is that consuming fire. There is the fuller's fire where God puts us in the pit to cleanse us. And then there's strange fire. <clears throat> fire is not authorized by God. And all too often in churches all across the world today, we have strange fire. Fire that God did not authorize. We've got to come to a point, friends, to where we realize our God is a consuming fire. But that fire starts like it did back when I was a kid. It starts with Kenyan wood. How does that Kenyan wood start? It starts with your families. It starts with those around you. It starts with getting alone with God. You remember I told you. Jesus was on the earth 40 days after the resurrection Sunday. They waited for 10 days. Can you imagine how scared they were? They had seen their master put to death and rose again. They had seen all the trials and tribulations. They had heard all of it. And then the angel said, Jesus had come away. Well, Jesus had gone away. We thought he was going to come set up his kingdom on earth. We saw him feed the 5,000. We saw him do these wonderful things. 
We thought, surely a man that can do this can come set up heaven on earth. Set up his kingdom on earth. The angel said, don't doubt. Don't doubt. He'll be back. He'll be back. But can you imagine the confusion, the terror, them telling them to wait until the day of Pentecost was fully come? Can you imagine the terror of not knowing whether they're going to live or die? Can you imagine the terror of not seeing when he saw his children slaughtered in front of him? Can you imagine the terror of not seeing when he saw his wife killed before him? Can you imagine the terror of not seeing when he saw the arrows coming at him? I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No, let go with me. I will follow. We've come to a place to where we've got the fuller's fire. If you're a Christian and you're not in the fuller's fire, if God's not purifying you, if you're not in a storm, if you're not coming out of one, if you're not going on in one, hold on. You'll be in a storm real shortly. That's the fuller's fire. But all too many churches are offering strange fire. You remember the strange fire that James and Jacob said before God, before Moses. He said, are you the only one that speaks for God? We've got multi-million dollar edifices, Ms. Pat. We've got multi-million dollar edifices that, that ain't got enough spirituality in them to blow the fuzz off peanuts. We've got pastors, good men of God, quitting, writing, right and left. Because all you hear preaching, Brother Don, if you'll soften your message just a little bit, you can get in a whole lot more people. But what you don't realize is the two most scariest places in the church are, number one, that pulpit. Well, I don't just spend a whole lot of time on it. Y'all know that. Number one, because I've got to answer to every word I preach to you. The second one is where you're sitting. Because you've got to answer to every word that I preach to you. You've got to answer to the truth that when you get up and you walk out of here and you say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to give my life. I don't want to walk like Jesus walked. I don't want to walk like Paul walked. I don't, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit 24-7. I don't want these things in my life. I don't want to witness to my co-workers. I don't want to witness to my school friends. I don't want to witness to those in Brooklyn, Walmart, wherever. I just want to come, do my two hours on Sunday morning, and that's all. And that's where we're at now. Because the majority of Christian thinks this is church. This is church. This is not church. We are the church. The church is ecclesia. It means the called out body of believers. The church was a whole lot better off when it was meeting in the catacombs. When it was under fire. When it was under persecution. The moment in 312 AD when Constantine declared the Christians the, the 
One world church. The church went downhill because it became a social club. When we first came here, we were told that if we wanted to make our business go, then we needed to go join a certain church. That's where all the rich people were. And God brought us here. I don't know why. Except I do know this. I love every one of you. I love every one of you. I can't know. There ain't a one of you that I would stand up like not seeing and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Like me. But you see, we've got Sunday school. Like I said, Christianette, listening to sermonettes from Pastor Rex on television says, Father Smoker Cigarettes says, there is no separation. There is no holiness. And if we don't look separate from one, then why do they want anything to God? Miss Lacey, we claim that we've got the answer to all world problems. But if we're Walking like the world walks. If we're witnessing, that's what we're doing. Whether or not you realize it. You say, Brother Don, I can't witness. I don't know how to witness. Well, you're witnessing by every motion you make. Every time you pick up the phone call. Every time you talk to someone in the store. You're witnessing. Good like we were talking about today, Brother Philip. All they're wanting to do is catch you and trip you up. The devil's good. He's been at it for a long time. He knows exactly who your weaknesses are. What's he say? He gets you, he gets you mad. They push your buttons. Like I said, nobody pushed my buttons like my wife. She knows just exactly who your buttons Exactly. And she does it good. She does it good. But You know, the cute little saying that we say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, what would he do? What would he do? When that person you're witnessing to, when that son or that daughter or that grandson or that granddaughter, when your granddaughter looks at you and tells you, I just don't know, I just don't know about this Jesus stuff. What are you going to do? Are you going to blow up? And you sit there and look at it. See how new this Christian stuff is. Really? Look at you. Get mad. So what are you going to do? Jesus said, I came to kindle a fire. We saw that he hated it in this verse. We saw that he had to be buried and be crucified. Resurrected. Pay the price of Christ in blood. He set that kindle. And then he came to cause division. You know, we think we're supposed to be loved in the world. That ain't what Jesus said. You know, we love all these promises of God. We especially by these pulpiteers that promise you health and wealth and if, you, if you're sick, you're not right with Jesus. You just ain't got enough faith. 
Or if you ain't got enough money, you just ain't got enough faith. Send me that forty nine ninety five, and I'll send you the prayer cloth that, that I have wiped my sweat on, and and uh, you, you you have all the money you want come in. We've got churches in million dollar, multi million dollar edifices, preaching this every day. And Jesus said, I promise you this, Brother Curtis. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. Jesus said, I promise you this. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We love all these promises of God. We love all these Old Testament promises of God about health and wealth. But we don't want to live what they live. Oh, well that's, that's in the Old Testament. That's not for us today. We're under the new dispensation. Well, if you're claiming that promise, an Old Testament dispensational promise that supposedly had nothing to do with you, why are you claiming If the only thing we have to live by is the Pauline epistles, that's the only thing that affects us. My Bible says A-L-L. All Scripture is given about me. All. So, the question is this. What are we going to do? Are we going to let God kindle that fire? Because He's standing there. You said, are you going to Get alone with God. I can't preach this enough. Corey Tinnaboon said it best. You can do no more than pray until you pray, and no more than pray after you pray. Find out what God wants. Find out what God has for you. Find out what God has for your children. Ms. Pam, if you'll come play for Mr. Steve.